Eric, what an amazing time to be alive if you are a fan of UFOs. If you survive 2020, yeah. buddy, buckle your seatbelts. Recently, there have been multiple members of the government, the intelligence community, and the military that have come forward to say what they, they know about the UFO phenomenon. As of Wednesday, July 26, 2023, there was a testimony before Congress presented by three former United States government officials before the House Oversight Committee, the National Security Subcommittee, about government may or may not know about UFOs. And frankly, I mean, I, I was shocked when I, when I heard what was out there. I think many of us were shocked. So we've done a similar episode, UFOs and the government earlier, but that episode sort of focused on the government. We, we went in a historical perspective, what Reagan thought and, and Kennedy and things like that. And at the time, we had witness testimony that had come out. Well, now we've got even more information that has come out. That's went to a higher level. At a much higher level. And so tonight, we wanted to talk about this new wave of what we're going to call UFO whistleblower or disclosure and just what exactly is going on right now in the UFO community. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome friends to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. So I, of course, was amazed when I first saw that this was even going to happen, that they were going to have this meeting before Congress to talk about UFO activity and what was going on. That in itself is just huge. That's amazing. That it would make that kind of a spotlight on that big of a stage. But as it was happening, I was more shocked even when it actually happened and the news and the, the information revealed that these people... And I hate to say believe, but, you know, this is the, what they presented before Congress. So they believe this to be true. So to get to the meat and potatoes of all this, on Wednesday, July 26, 2023, three former United States government officials presented testimony before the House Oversight Committee's National Security Subcommittee, including an experienced intelligence official and two former Air Force pilots about the whole UAP phenomenon. Now, I say UAP. Uh, it's unidentified aerial phenomenon. We... I think we're going to use that interchangeably with UFO at this point. Let me jump in and just say, let's update the terms for 2020s. Like, you know, so many of our terminology we've added and changed. UFO is what I grew up with. I'm an old timer. Bill, obviously, anybody out there is going to know. UFO is a term most old timers use, meaning unidentified flying object. Sometime 2020-ish, 2022, we have UAVs which is a newer term meaning unmanned aerial vehicle, essentially remote control. And then we have what most of this is going to relate to as a UAP, also a newer term meaning unidentified aerial phenomenon, which just kind of covered blankets everything. So I'm going to start with David Grush, who was a former military intelligence officer turned whistleblower. Now, Grush served 14 years as an intelligence officer in the Air Force and the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. He also served as a representative on two Pentagon task forces, 
including serving as the National Reconnaissance Office's representative to the Pentagon's All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, the AARO, which I believe is just the Pentagon's little group that investigates UFO phenomenon. Uh, He was also part of that group's predecessor task force and was investigating UAPs until earlier this year. So Grush and these Air Force pilots, they sit down in front of Congress, and Grush told House lawmakers that Congress is being kept in the dark about unidentified anomalous phenomenon, also known as UAP, UFOs, and claimed at the recent hearing that the executive branch is withholding information about these mysterious objects and has been for years, and that he is absolutely certain that the federal government is in possession of UAPs. He told the lawmakers that he was informed of a multi-decade UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program that was being carried out by the Pentagon. They learned this during the course of his work examining classified programs and documents. He said he was denied access to those programs when he requested it, which... Seems odd. Well, if he's the guy investigating them and that's his job and that's what the government's asked him to do... But you can't check this one. But you can't look into this. So that does seem, you know, that... that but they're probably just weather balloons. That smacks of secrecy. <laughs> he said that these programs were being bankrolled by the military through the misappropriation of funds in an attempt to shield these programs from congressional oversight. Now, Congress doesn't seem like a group of people who like to be sidestepped or you know, have things carried out behind their back. And when, when he said this, Representative Jared Moskowitz asked, does this mean that there is money in the budget that is set to go to a program, but it doesn't, and it goes to something else? To which Grush responded, yes, I have specific knowledge of that. That kind of goes back to hammers costing $5,000 and stuff. Well, there's an old HBO original, I believe it was HBO, but it basically talks about like when the government tests a new weapon and things like that and how these budgets get inflated and people don't really know where the money's going sometimes. And, you know, the, the government always goes with, you know, the lowest possible contractor. And so... You know, they might say the the hammer cost $4,000, but then $3,980 of that goes to whoever, you know what I mean? Like, yes. a hammer doesn't cost, you know. Yeah. Just don't, just don't audit the government. That's what we're yeah. saying. Just don't do that. They do that to us, but just don't do that to yeah, them. Yeah, you need, well, have you heard about how the Pentagon has essentially lost like $5 trillion in the last 20 years? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if you were going to recover ufos there you go reverse engineer them and and again i there was a there was a senator who literally said like look if i get audited i have to know where every dollar went you lost five trillion dollars and we have to act like that's not a big deal it, yeah and for resellers it's if, if you sell over six hundred dollars annually they audit us now so i mean you're talking a little bit more than six hundred dollars yeah well technically the government wants their share of any money that goes in your pocket no matter mm. how you get it so. oof but yeah, they can take, you know, trillions of dollars. That's why I hate paying taxes. <laughs> Pay your taxes on your taxes on your taxes. We're getting sidetracked. We're getting sidetracked. So Grush would later say that he had interviewed officials who had direct knowledge of aircraft, which he said were of non-human origin. Now, we're going to stress non-human. Grush did not want to use the term alien. He did not want to use the term extraterrestrial. He kept going back to this term non-human. Now, to quote everybody's favorite science man. Bill uh, Nye. Well, I, I was thinking Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, okay. He's Neil deGrasse Tyson, who may or may not be an operative of the government, but he said in an interview that I saw just the other day, non-human would include plants and animals and bacteria and viruses, things we're all familiar with that are not human. So when they say there are non-human biologics, that could literally include any of those things, and you'll find those at any crash site of any aircraft. 
So to use the term non-human, he, he, he sort of implied that that was to deflect. And we weren't implying it was aliens. It was just non-human. I think that started to aggravate some of the people, you know, the Congress. And actually somebody said, so you said we had crafts. Do we have pilots? Yeah. Which would, you know, obviously it's not some algae or bacteria that would be manning a, a well, ship. I mean. A vessel. At, at one point he, he did say that he knew that multiple, that he knew multiple colleagues who were injured by these UAPs. And that he had also interviewed individuals who had recovered non-human biologics from the craft. So, again, he preferred that term non-human. Now, when asked if he could present specific evidence, Grush said he could not give details as he claimed that the information was too sensitive to share with the public. Now, remember, this was a televised subcommittee meeting on national television. Anybody could watch it. I believe people in attendance were provided with information that couldn't be discussed on the air. I believe I read that they were given a list of crash sites even. He referenced that, that they were not allowed to discuss. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I watched probably about three quarters of this. And I will just truthfully tell you, you could cut that three quarters in half probably by responses, the same response over and over to many questions that was asked. And that was something to the degree where Gresh was saying, we can talk about that in a skiff, which basically just means, you know, after the ordeal in a, an enclosed, protected environment, assuming you have the clearance needed for me to discuss it with you, that answer just kept coming back. It wasn't that he didn't know, he just couldn't share. It. I mean, and as Bill said, this is a public televised event. We got everybody watching, you know, we, we could have our enemies for that point watching, you know, so I understand that. Yeah, well, while he said he couldn't answer many of the questions about what he knew, Due to the programs being classified, he did, however, say, and this is a quote directly, I have to be very careful here, but what I personally witnessed myself and my wife was very disturbing. He also said at another point that he was, quote, hopeful that my actions will ultimately lead to a positive outcome of increased transparency. Now, not to name names, but we did have a president not that long ago who talked all about government transparency and how transparent the government needed to be. Not our current president, not the one before, but go back a couple. And if you think about it, I mean, if you go back to the very earliest, you know, quote unquote, known UFO recovery, Roswell, you're going all the way back to like Roosevelt and whatnot. And, and every president has been keeping this information to himself. And we've talked about on some of the different podcasts, you know, some of the presidents who really wanted to share that information or was curious themselves, had interest in this was taken two sites basically to be turned away and said, you know, sorry, Mr. President, you don't have the clearance, you know, to be able to show this to you. Yeah. It wasn't that it didn't exist. And obviously there was a site that they went to, but yeah, this is, this is as far as you go. You know, Kennedy had supposedly discussed it in front of a flight attendant on Air Force One one time. I believe Nixon was supposedly shown little pilots. Uh, Carter, I heard, I had read a story once that Carter broke down in tears when he learned the truth of the alien phenomenon because it challenged his worldview. Uh, Reagan asked Gorbachev, hey, if the aliens attack, you got our backs. You got my back, yeah. So, now, some of you may be rolling your eyes out there, um, you know, to all this, and you're thinking, wow, this is just a bunch of, you know, crock of crap or whatever, but let me well, add. Well, to be fair, if they're listening to our podcast, well, hopefully. I, I hope they have an open mind like those that listen. But let me just add, in, in doing what Mr. Grush was doing, he has had threats on himself as well as his family, as well as his career. And we should also be reminded that it is a federal crime to lie under oath before Congress. I mean, this is the utmost levels. 
So Grush is risking a lot to come forward. And he has said there's so many before him that are still afraid to come forward because there there are life-threatening yeah. threats on him, his family, his career, those you know, friends, loved ones, whatever. So there's there seems to be a lot of energy to cover up weather balloons and, and well, yeah, like you stuff. said, he he's risking everything to come forward with this information. So not long after this particular hearing, I guess he did an interview with, with the BBC and he went on to say that he believes that the UK government also has UFO tech in their possession. Uh, I guess the U.S. is part of uh, what they call the Five Eyes Alliance. I guess it's sort of a group, which is uh, like it's an intelligence sharing service, basically, uh, which the U.K., the U.S., Canada, Australia, New Zealand are members of. I guess they all share their intelligence findings amongst each other. So, I mean, it, it's fair to say if one group had some UFO evidence, and, and we even talked about a UFO crash in the U.K. on an earlier episode. Mm-hmm. So. You have, you know, we've talked about Roswell in the past. We've talked about uh, what was Rendlesham Forest. We've talked about UFO abductions. I mean, we even did the previous episode on UFOs and the government, although we kind of tackled that from a different direction than we did now. The Alaskan Triangle UFO ordeal. But even when we did that episode on UFOs and the government, we were talking about the stuff that was coming forward at that time and how amazing that was. And then here we are, you know, stepping it up a notch with what's coming out now. I don't want to bore everyone with all the details because it's a very lengthy ordeal, you know, that that was going on. But I did want to take just a few clips from the actual testimony, and I will be quoting. Uh, this is between uh, Miss Nancy Mace. She is a South Carolina representative and Mr. David Grush, the whistleblower, who's also from South Carolina. Uh, so the questions are being asked by Representative South Carolina, Nancy Mace, and then obviously David Grush is the one that's responding. So, you know, she starts off and says, if you believe we have crashed crafts, as stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? His answer was, as I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, biologics came from some of these recoveries. Yes. Okay, she moves on to the next question. Um, were they human or non-human biologics? His reply, non-human, and that was the assessment of the people with direct knowledge of the program and who are still actively involved with said program. She asked another question. Was this documented in video, photography, eyewitnesses? How, how would that be determined? His response, the specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about, and again, a skiff is a term meaning behind closed doors, private, assuming you have the proper clearance. She goes on and says, who in the government or um, what agency, sub-agency, contractors, who should be called into the next hearing about UAPs in a public or maybe even private setting? And you, you probably can't name names, she's going on to continue, but with agencies, sub-agencies, contractors, do we need to call in to get these questions answered about funding programs that are happening? What, what is happening there? His response, I can give you a specific, cooperative, and hostile listing of specific individuals that were in these. And she goes, and how quickly can we get that list? He said, I'm happy to provide it to you right after this hearing. She responds kind of with a smile. He nods his head and smiles, and she says, thank you. So, I mean, South Carolina, South Carolina, South Carolina rep to him, who's also from South Carolina. This almost kind of seemed fluent. <laughs> you know, they're grinning. They're nodding at each other. They're answering in the proper ways the questions. He's trying to be politically correct in his standpoint. Well, I, I but think— But there's a lot right there. 
I think we'd be kidding ourselves to say that there wasn't some prep work done ahead of time. And and again, and he, I'll talk about that a little. He bit. He probably talked to some of those folks before the the meeting. We'll get into that. So, in addition to Grush, lawmakers also heard testimony from Ryan Graves, a former Navy pilot and executive director for Americans for Safe Aerospace, who's spoken about encountering UAPs on training missions, and David Fravor, a former commanding officer in the U.S. Navy, who spotted a large object captured in the now famous Tic Tac video during a flight off the coast of California in 2004. Now, all three said the current reporting systems are inadequate for investigating UAP encounters. And they all said that a stigma still exists for pilots and officials who press for more transparency about their experiences. Now, Graves went into some detail about his time and and his experiences. He was an F-18 pilot stationed in Virginia Beach in 2014 when his squadron first began detecting unknown objects. And he described them as, quote, dark gray or black cubes inside of a clear sphere where the apex or tips of the cubes were touching the inside of that sphere. So that's a strange description of a UFO, but... Unique. He said a fellow pilot told him about one incident about 10 miles off the coast in which an object between 5 and 15 feet in diameter flew between two F-18s and came within 50 feet of the aircraft. He said there was no acknowledgement of the incident or any way to report that encounter. He also went on to discuss a, a sort of previously unreported event, which I had not heard of before where a football field-sized red cube hovered over Vandenberg Air Force Base. The object remained for almost a minute before darting off over the mountains. The same object was spotted multiple times over the next day or so by multiple witnesses. So this is, I mean, that cube shape. I had not heard of a lot of cube-shaped UFOs. But again, these are credible people in the military. This guy used to be a fighter pilot, and... I mean, if, if he, he's going to be familiar with what's flying around out there. I mean, it, it's sort of his job yeah. to know what's out there. So he, he went on to say that UFO encounters were not rare nor isolated and that military and commercial pilots encounter them more than anybody is aware of. Here's, here's a quote. If everyone could see the sensor and video data I witnessed, our national conversation would change. I urge us to put aside stigma and address the security and safety issue this topic represents. If UAP are foreign drones, it is an urgent national security program. If it is something else, it is an issue for science. In either case, unidentified objects are a concern for flight safety. The American people deserve to know what is happening in our skies. It is long overdue. Now, Graves at this point kind of weighed in. He feels that military pilots should be briefed on UAPs. Yeah, we're sending them out there with things that, let's say, that a government does know about, and we're not telling them they don't know what they're up against. I mean, this is threatening not only the pilots, but American citizens possibly right below them. Grush and his two associates feel that the, the these pilots are unprepared when they encounter a UAP, and that there is still a stigma around reporting these encounters that is hampering our ability to determine their origin. People see something like this, they feel like they can't report it, they'll be made fun of or whatever. So, David Fravor was the other pilot. He recounted his 2004 encounter with an object off the California coast, which was also eventually filmed by Ryan Graves. These two guys, you know, apparently encountered the same object. But Fravor said that he and three fellow military pilots spotted a smooth, seamless, oval-shaped object with no visible rotors, wings, or exhaust hovering over the Pacific Ocean before it rapidly climbed to about 12,000 feet, then accelerated and disappeared. It was detected roughly 60 miles away less than a minute later, 
Fravor returned to an aircraft carrier and mentioned the object to the other pilots who were getting ready to take off, and they managed to get it on video. Uh, he said, in quote, I think what we experienced was, like I said, well beyond the material science and the capabilities that we had at the time that we have currently or that we're going to have in the next 10 to 20 years. So he, he felt this was beyond what we were going to do even in the future. He also added, quote, this technology that we faced is far superior to anything that we had, and there's nothing we can do about it. Nothing. Let me bring in another kind of character that was more behind the scenes, uh, and that is Dr. Stephen Greer. Now, he's the leader of what's called the Disclosure Project, some of you may or may not be familiar with. Dr. Stephen Greer is considered the world's leading authority in the subject of UFOs and UAPs, advanced energy and propulsion systems. He's gathered an extensive intelligence archives of compelling evidence on the subject of extraterrestrial intelligence, as well as covert government projects that are being run illegally. Now, over the course of the last 30 years, he has provided uh, briefings for setting U.S. presidents, senior government officials all across the globe, and has conducted countless media interviews and delivered hundreds and hundreds of lectures. He has identified over 700 high-level government and corporate whistleblowers willing to testify regarding the UFO and ET issues. He has authored five books and has produced five fe uh, feature film documentaries that have been viewed by nearly a billion people. Uh, his latest film, called The Lost Century and How to Reclaim It, will be released, or actually was just released back in June. Now, Dr. Greer was very pleased to see the whole July 2023 David Grush uh, ordeal and all that come forward in the testifying. However, uh, nothing Mr. Grush really said in the lengthy testimony was new news to him. Actually, the two gentlemen had met up a couple years ago and shared information. You see, while David Grush uh, has kind of shook the world by coming forward, Dr. Greer reminds everyone Grush is in a unique situation. He is a secondhand information, not to discredit his testimony at all, he says, but simply meaning Grush obtained his information from others who had firsthand witnessed it and were involved with these events. Dr. Greer has over 700 firsthand, meaning those who were there, hands-on, documented testimonies within his disclosure project files. Therefore, it was good. It was kind of a good check and balance for Grush and, and Greer to compare notes. It's also believed that with Grush's unique position, his job, his rankings in the past, and by reporting these events to him, it may allow some loopholes, if you will, for those who have seen things firsthand and are fearful to come forward publicly, as, as Bill and I have kind of addressed, to uh, fear of humiliating themselves or retaliation. Now, Dr. Stephen Greer actually came forward after the testimony and stated several of the representatives and the members of Congress came to him prior and he actually wrote many of the questions that they would be publicly asking David Grush during the testimony. This is all very close-knit little group. Wouldn't you like to be in a position like that where oh, you yeah. were the, the expert that Congress came to to ask questions? Yeah, the phone rings. It's like, hey, we're, we're going to be breaking some walls down. And, I and need to know how to ask these like, questions. What questions would you give them? I mean, asking about non-human biologic and things like that. I mean, that's... Those are the questions we want to answer. Those are the ones. And what they're trying to do is, of course, to find these loopholes, the proper way of how much they can push the envelope basically without being shut down. Yeah. You know, trying to prepare many of the members and help them ask the right questions uh, in accordance to the law. And so that Grush would be able then to publicly answer them to the best of his ability. 
without as much backlash or an issue. Now, another topic that was brought up in the testimony uh, we hadn't touched upon is interdimensional travel, especially time travel or multidimensional, similar, yet again, to Disney Marvel's multi-universe storyline kind of thing. You know, let's face it, folks, we, we have seen it. We have seen it in history before. People often sprinkle these seeds, something real, even with science fiction, writing, art, movies, whatever. Yeah, I was going to say there was, you were saying that. I mean, literally, I was, there's this belief amongst people who believe in, in, in UFOs or, or whatever, then that when the government does know about something, they sort of release little bits and pieces here and there in, in pop culture, whether it be a movie like, you know, Independence Day or whatever to say. Stargate. Like, all these. Yeah, like these these technologies, and it's it's sort of Men in Black, <laughs> sort of priming the pump, if you will, to get you ready. That way, when they do reveal it, it's not so far fetched. I'm trying to think of the right word. It's not demoralizing, but it's de-emotionalizing the public, I guess. Because if we're if we talk about it and we see it in yeah. screen, it kind of takes the edge off a little bit. And, well, and and the more fantastical things we talk about. I mean, again, you you look at Star Trek and the the portable communicator. Oh, flip. Phones. No one ever would have thought. You know, I'm sitting here and, and I have my iPhone sitting on the table. You know, that's ten times better. That that thing's every bit of Star Trek technology is is right there in the palm of your hand. Star Trek communicator, so, the first flip phones. I yeah. guarantee you, whoever created oh, yeah. that loved Star Trek, watched it as a kid, and it's like, not only am I going to have the technology for a phone, I'm going to make it a flip phone. Looks like a communicator. Yeah. So maybe maybe. Maybe your f favorite Marvel movie is just laying the groundwork for good old Disney. Yeah, you can't tell me Disney isn't involved in the government in some capacity. But back to that whole interdimensionality. Extraterrestrial or interdimensionality. Which one is it? Dr. Greer elaborates on this topic with good analogy here that I, I had to share. He goes, if you're traveling from one point in the star system to another point in the star system, you can't just travel the speed of light in a straight line. It would still just take way too long. Like if you're traveling from a star system that it's 50,000 light years away, which is just within our known galaxy, it would take you literally 50,000 years, even at the speed of light. Which, according to Einstein, you could never achieve. Yes, yes. Moreover, if you're familiar with Einstein's formula and speculation, if you are just accelerating up to the speed of light, when you hit that point, you're going to take that point of, of infinite mass. So it's, it's just not possible. It's off the table. So the only way that you could go from point A to point B inside the vast cosmos is like if you have a piece of paper, and I'm sure you guys have seen this, where you have a dot on two pieces of paper and you kind of fold the paper, making kind of a horseshoe, and you touch the two dots together. Eric, I've seen this movie. It's called Event Horizon, <laughs> and the space that you pass between is literally hell, and it drove Sam Neill insane. <laughs> More of the movie references, absolutely. <laughs> but if you connect these two points on the piece of paper by folding it in that U-shape, all the physics that we deal with in our 3D universe that, that we are used to, they just go out the window at this point. So it's a bit of a jump an assumption, if you will, to assume that these beings are interdimensional or extraterrestrial. Which one are they? Well, if you're traveling from that same point in the cosmos, thousands, if not millions of light years away, to get to this point, Earth, you would in fact have to be interdimensional as well as extraterrestrial, both. 
I know that may be kind of hard to grasp. It's, it's kind of like saying an orange is a fruit or is an orange round. Well, both is true, but it's in two different analogies. So let's take it a step further to try to confuse you even more. <laughs> now to add a bit more complexity and mind-boggling discussion to all that, there are also those who believe to be truly interdimensional beings that certainly that doesn't mean that they're not extraterrestrial. So while an extraterrestrial, by definition of the way they travel, are interdimensional, what about when we fold that piece of paper, touching the two dots that we just talked about, there are beings that exist in that in-between, the hell that Bill mentioned, <laughs> the loop of that piece of paper during that time frame when the two dots touched. Now, obviously, some of those are going to be touching or closer together than they ever have been. Some of those, if you have an open mind and kind of follow me, could bleed over. These could be extraterrestrial not just traveling as far of a distance, as example in the two dots above on the paper, or as some believe could be time travelers. Essentially, even ourselves, our descendants, or other currently aligned with our timeline that would be aligned with us in the future that now have the intelligence or just found themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time and bled over. This is kind of where wormholes and such uh, kind of come in. They could be accidental to find themselves out of their own timeline, just as confused as sometimes when we see them. It's some pretty trippy stuff for sure. But Einstein, keep in mind, considered one of the, if not the smartest men of his time, had some of these beliefs and spent decades documenting and recording them. And we are still going back looking at his work that just a decade ago we didn't understand that now we're gleaming knowledge of an understanding of. I mean, somebody is. Not somebody, me. not me. That's, that's over my head. Yeah, it was, it was hard for me to follow, but I kind of get the gist of it. If you use simple, a piece of paper with dots touching, I can kind of follow that. Like I said, you know, go watch the movie Event Horizon. You're not going to want to travel like that. <laughs> it does kind of go back to the whole, you know, your crazy uncle or that weird guy in the apartment that had the aluminum tinfoil hat that we made fun of years ago. You know, maybe just... Maybe he wasn't as crazy as what we thought. Well, I don't know about you. I've been fascinated. Again, I mean, we talked about this. I've been fascinated with these topics ever since I was a little kid. And I definitely have received, a, you know, little jabs here and there when somebody oh, caught yeah. me reading a book about UFOs or werewolves or what you have nerd. you. Yeah. <laughs> so at the hearing, the lawmakers of both parties did express anger about their inability to get information about UAPs from the military and intelligence agencies. And, and they described a system of overclassification that shields reports of, of incidents from public view. Uh, again, Jared Moskowitz of Florida said, We should have disclosure today. We should have disclosure tomorrow. The time has come. Representative Glenn Grotham, the subcommittee's chairman, said, Several of us are going to look forward to getting some answers in a more confidential setting. I assume some legislation will come out of this. And, and I believe there is legislation currently being pushed forward to, to push for some some answers to be found, you know, to, to put this information out there. So members of both parties questioned how Congress could go about investigating the remarkable allegations, uh, showing an increasing willingness by our lawmakers to demand that the executive branch be more forthcoming about this phenomenon. Representative Tim Burchett, a Republican from Tennessee, said, we're going to uncover the cover up. And I hope this is just the beginning of many more hearings and many more people coming forward about this. Now, this issue has gained widespread attention from Congress and the public in recent years, 
with the release of several videos of encounters, which typically show unknown objects moving through the air at a very high rate of speed with no apparent method of propulsion. Again, the Pentagon's um, AARO, All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, which was established by Congress to investigate these incidents, has investigated about 800 UAPs as of May of 2023. And while military officials have said most cases are easily explained, there are others that remain completely unexplained. So after all of this, Sue Go, a spokesperson for AARO, said in a statement that the office, quote, has not discovered any verifiable information to substantiate claims that any programs regarding the possession or reverse engineering of extraterrestrial materials have existed in the past or exist currently. She also said the department is, quote, committed to timely and thorough reporting to Congress. Now, of course, if it's her little branch that's covering that all up, <laughs> why would she suddenly come forward? Wouldn't that make her, I mean, at least partially the bad guy in all this, right? You would think. So many members of Congress are now saying that the potential security threat here posed by unknown objects in or near U.S. airspace needs to be examined. A group of senators led by Chuck Schumer introduced an amendment to the annual defense spending bill that would require executive branch agencies to hand over UAP records to a review board and that these agencies would have to justify requests to keep these records classified. And I believe they're wanting, and, and I saw a list, the, the, the committee that was all be turned over to would be one member of the United States intelligence community, a foreign member of an intelligence community, meaning, you know, somebody not from America, a scientist, a psychologist. Oh, wow. I mean, and just multiple members of people from multiple disciplines, which I would think you'd want. You'd that, want that makes good sense. Yeah, like it, it seems reasonable that you'd have people from different fields of expertise to examine these to say, okay. Not only people that could assess the reality of what was being presented, but also people that could assess the impact it would have if this information is revealed. Going back to uh, Dr. Greer, you know, he states, to Bill's point just now, it's criminal intent. Dr. Greer was asked what his thoughts were moving forward after the whole Congress testimony. Did he believe it broke down some of those walls allowing access to the public? He replied, what's been going on is criminal, not all government officials are involved. Not all government offices are involved, not even within one department, but in its behalf, certain key people in several locations have held back intentionally information from the public since at least the 1940s, going back to the whole Roswell ordeal. That is part of the reason that he put together the, the disclosure project as a whole. He reminds people that even Past presidents, officials, complained that they went to see these sites, as we have kind of touched upon, and evidence, but were turned away. This is the criminal aspect of it. Some may say it's to protect the people from what could be mass hysteria. Others says it's to get the jump in on reverse engineering craft and technology that we want to claim as ours, meaning the United States. Regardless what the reason or excuse, the time is here, he says where it is really starting to jeopardize the American public is now. We have commercial airliners flying thousands and thousands of American citizens across what is now known as a shared sky with their pilots who are not informed on what they are coming in contact with or if it's even an alien threat, a U.S. government reverse-engineered craft or a hostile from another country, possibly reversed craft, possibly also alien technology. These pilots 
are putting their lives and their passengers' lives to risk every single day. And at the very least, he says, a handful of people need to be represented knowing what's going on for these pilots to come to. They should know the truth, or are we, in essence, literally putting American citizens now at risk? Got to keep in mind, the government has now come forward. They've blown that door off. There are things in the sky that they don't know what is. Again, it's not just the military that's up there flying. Think about the number of flights in a single day across the world. That's shared airspace, the shared sky. We don't know at this point in time what we're sharing it with. Kind of fast forward to the near future. He goes on, Dr. Greer, to say that he feels Congress's testimony did crack a few doors. However, it's far, far from over. Number one, you're not going to be able to just show up on the doorstep of these sites most military or private sector contractors and ask, hey, pretty please, uh, will you just open the doors and show me what you're working on? You know, there's obviously some privacy. There's, you know, what should be. But these locations and groups have operated under these contracts and these agreements for decades, whether they be legal or illegal. Number two, there's also another risk here. On the Disclosure Project, the group is trying to help individuals directly involved with these events. But they, just by being in the wrong place or the wrong time, essentially, and then are being told to keep their mouth shut, are now being pushed into the spotlight. And guess what? Some of the people that are threatening them and their families are doing this for equal reason, for fear of their own well-being, because a lot of this has been done illegally. That is the whole criminal aspect of what we're talking about. Just because your boss or your boss's boss tells you to keep your mouth shut and never speak of it, it is constitutionally illegal to do so. Those people were not always acting in their sworn best behavior position duties. So these same people could be criminally prosecuted, thrown in jail for the rest of their lives for holding back information that could be detrimental to our nation or for the well-beings of hundreds and thousands of innocent American citizens. He says this is far from over. There are people in high places that are now forced, fearing their doors to be knocked down, their properties and possessions seized and taken away from them for payoffs and looking the other way. But one thing is clear. 2022 to 2023 thus far, we have had more whistleblowers and concrete evidence, including military-leaked videos, photographs, documents, all come to light more than ever before. The cork on the bottle is about to pop, and we may just find out that those weird tin hat crazy people may not have been as crazy as what we thought. Well, I hate to do this, but I stumbled upon a video on TikTok, and this video talked about some things that I felt tied directly into what we're talking about today. And so I did a little more research on that, and it starts with Werner von Braun. It's a name you may have heard before. Uh, If you're not familiar, he was a German rocket scientist during World War II who helped develop the German rocket program. Uh, After World War II, he came to America and joined our rocket program and eventually our aerospace program and continued American research into rockets and and, uh, eventually led to, like like I said, our, our space program and NASA. Now, he worked with a Carol Rosen. She would become uh, the first female executive in the aerospace industry in America. And she would go on to become a spokesperson for Werner von Braun. And she worked very closely with him over the years. Now, in his time with the government, von Braun was 
horrified of the idea of building space-based weapons. He felt that that was just a, a threshold of power that we, we probably shouldn't cross into. That any, you know, space-based weapons could obviously be potentially devastating and give, you know, one particular government way, way too much power. So after he found out he was dying in the mid-70s, I believe he died in 76, maybe 77, he, he got with Carol and he, he began to lay out what he believed was the plan. The plan, capital T, capital P, the plan in his <laughs> the mind. Plan. And uh, he, he really did believe that space weapons were going to be the final step of the plan. And, and he told her, he said, okay, it, it starts with the Russians. It started with the Russians. They were our threat. They were our, our you know, Cold War enemy, basically. Basically, after World War II, the Russians became the enemy. So we needed weapons to use against the Russians. And then it became third world nations, which he termed nations of concern. And I think. In the video I was watching, it even specifically showed a video of, like, North Korea. So Certainly. But, but they would become our enemy, and, and that did seem to be true. We moved on from, from Russia to these third world nations. Next would be the asteroid threat, which, you know, we, we know that's been talked about. What was it, Apophis and, and things like that? And, and Carol even found that humorous. She, she didn't believe that we would ever talk about using weapons in space against asteroids. But he started to talk about the last card. The last card. He, she said he repeated that a lot. He would talk about the last card. And he believed the last card, in his words, would be an extraterrestrial threat. Now, these craft would not be alien in origin when, we when they were finally brought up, but that would, we would be told that they were, and that we would be told that they could stop our missiles, which we have been, and we would be told that they could stop rockets from traveling into space, which we've been told, and that this would all be lies. He was against weapons in space, and he, he did bring Rosin around to his point of view. Again, she didn't believe him at the time, but he kind of gave her the monumental task of stopping the world from putting weapons in space. And ever since, she has worked towards that goal. But in those years, we have seen not only Reagan's Star Wars program, but eventually even the formation of the Space Force. True. Now, she feels that she's been unsuccessful in stopping this because, one, the money involved. You know, the, the military-industrial complex makes a lot of money off building weapons, and they certainly, it, it's, it's like when you talk about the cure for cancer, and people say, well, you know, the medical profession doesn't want to cure cancer because there's so much money in research. Well, if you can make a whole lot of money building weapons, do you ever really want peace? I mean, how many people would have their pockets emptied if there was no more war? Well, the truth is, yeah, anytime we have war, there's, there's jobs because there's things that need to be built and reconstructed. And, and, and additionally, not only does she feel that money is a problem, but she believes there are certain groups of people who believe that an apocalypse of this kind is destined to happen. So when you have money and people's beliefs at stake, those people aren't going to back down. And so Werner von Braun believed that th this was going to happen, and, and, and he laid it out for her. And, and now, mind you, I, I watched the video of her speaking at a conference, and I don't know when this conference was, but if you follow those steps, that's what we've done. And, and now, you know, now maybe the government is trying to tell us that the aliens are real and we need to build weapons to fight them. Somebody's going to make a lot of money from that. Interesting twist. Not, not to debunk everything we've said before. I'm not saying aliens don't exist. I'm not saying they do. I'm just saying that, that if Von Braun laid this plan out, you know, 50 years ago. So I guess it's time to move on to headlines. 
For my headliner this week, I thought I would scratch the surface on something very, very local involving none other than UFO, UAV, UAP, whatever sticker we want to put on it. One that was brought to my attention by my nephew and my niece, whom I won't share their names at this time, but possibly might be an episode of a future podcast. Now, have I seen a video of this, Eric? You have saw pictures, video, and probably heard I, I will me say, talking about it quite I often. I will say, I have seen, this is the story that we're talking about, uh, and Eric will get into more detail, but I have seen video of this this encounter, or at least a encounter, and I'm going to tell you, it is, is really, really compelling, just the video I saw. My nephew and my niece, they've brought to me, and in particular, my nephew, dozens, dozens of videos and, and photographs of what, by definition, would be a UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenons, directly over their house here in Lebanon, Missouri, which I might add is less than probably five miles from my own house. These events seem most common in the winter months, especially it seems in December and January, which uh, I'll get back around to that, but December and January are key. I have personally witnessed uh, much of it myself, as during these few months every year, the last two years, and I'm sure this year will be no different, uh, it becomes quite common to get a text or a phone call anywhere from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. in the morning saying, hey, buddy, if you're up and you want to see this, come on over. We have witnessed appearing and disappearing what I will describe as balls of light, kind of orbs, blue, white, some even red and green in colors. Uh, many of them formed in groups, separating, and then going back into different designs, almost like playful chasing motion with speeds changing from fast to freestanding. We've also witnessed what I call more of a caterpillar-like formation. Uh, again, that will separate, pull away, and then reunite. Now, during this, they'll get bigger, larger diameter, brighter, change colors into kind of like a string of lights, and then slowly almost like absorb one to another into one big glowing orb. Uh, we do believe that some of these could be satellites, uh, like from Elon Musk. That That's another one they throw out a lot. And obviously, he has a lot of satellites and stuff going on up there. And that's relatively new, and we can spot that from Earth or others. However, uh, you know, that that doesn't account for the strange sporadic movements that I've described. You know, satellites aren't going to move up, down, sideways, right, left, circle, change colors, rotate. You, that doesn't all compute. Still, on other occasions, we've witnessed these UAPs fly down close to within an estimate of, I'd say, a few hundred feet of the ground and then propel themselves back up as if they were shot from a slingshot or a rubber band. Uh, should also be noted that there's never been any sound, even when they fly down close. Uh, we've made uh, contact with several organizations, radio stations, and even including uh, Fort Leonard Wood. Uh, military base, which is probably 30, 40 miles away, just up the road. But of course, no one ever takes ownership. And uh, we kind of seem to get, you know, be blown off for the most part. Uh, I think it did make a couple clips in the local uh, Lebanon Daily Record, just little blurbs from time to time over the past couple of years. But what I find probably most interesting in this, <laughs> these appear seasonally. Some might say perhaps in the winter months. You know, the skies are clear, and, and maybe that's true. And, you know, but maybe there's another factor at work here. My nephew and my niece 
go full out for decorating for Christmas outside their house. I mean, big time. Like, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation levels where the electric meter is spinning like a top. Roof lights, awning lights, candy cane, Santa Claus's reindeer. You get the picture. It's almost, and, and we joke, my nephew and I especially, it, it's almost like these UAPs come down, pull up a chair in space in the theater, and come to watch the light show. It's like a drive-in theater for them. You know, in, in the immortal words of my nephew, and if you knew him, you could hear him say this, it's just really weird, man. And, and I will add, it's really cool. But it is strange that they do seem to show up right around the Christmas months when they have decorated, they've gone full out, and other neighbors will gather out on the yard with us while we're over there. It could be midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I've invited Bill a couple times. It's like, hey, you know, he works night shift, graveyard shift. It's like, you want me to call you to see if you want to come on over? They're, my nephew and niece are a little lenient, again, because of, let's face it, you know, it's easy to throw a stone and, and make fun. But I, I've seen this. It is, it is weird. I'm not saying it's E.T. flying by, waving saying Merry Christmas. I'm not saying it's Santa Claus with a rocket <laughs> propulsed, you know, sled, but there's some weird stuff going on here in the skies of Lebanon, Missouri. So uh, that was my headliner. I just thought I'd kind of share. Well, my headline is from HITC.com, August 4th, 2023. So it doesn't get much more current than that. The headline is fear of alien invasion in 2027 as John Ramirez claims they're showing up. And this is by Chaitra Krishnamurthy. Claims by former CIA officer John Ramirez have been added to the speculations and reports about the existence of aliens. Uh, of course, this latest UAP hearing that we talked about in this episode uh, has put pressure on the military and intelligence agencies to disclose this evidence of UFO sightings and, and non-human biologics. But Ramirez claims that they're coming in less than a decade, and we, we need to get ready. Humans will not be prepared for it. So in an interview... He says that the people of the U.S. and elsewhere in the world are, quote, being prepared to the reality that there is something and that their presence is here. He continued, and I quote, we need to explain their presence because if they show up and we continue to do what we did before in previous decades, there will be mass panic. But if you understand that these are real and we have five years from 2022, well, maybe now four years, and if they come in 2027, the U.S. government has to prepare the people about what is up there. He also claims that word has spread within the government that they are showing up in, in 2027. He says, quote, we got to be prepared. And if not, there's going to be a lot of explaining to do. He, he continued that there was a clock established by the government of 10 years that was started in 2017 and that the, the speculated 2027 event has already been known about for quite some time. Now, he says he's heard the, about tw the, the 2027 event in an official capacity that he can't reveal, but that he thinks people in the government are aware that something's happening and that there's limited time to prepare the people of the world for it. Now, in another interview, Ramirez also claimed that he has come face to face with a reptilian alien and that he was confident that they walked among us. Now, do they, don't they, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of talk of reptilian shapeshifters. Lizard people. G get on YouTube and go down that rabbit hole. I have seen all kinds of video that supposedly shows lizard people. Now, recently, very recently, as a matter of fact, just a few weeks ago, there was an incident of a lady panicking on an American Airlines flight. I don't know if you've seen this, Eric. No, I haven't. But she's sitting down, and then she gets up, and she starts freaking out, and she's pointing to a specific guy on the flight, 
and she repeatedly says this effort is not real. <laughs> and and it's like she said he's not human. I saw him change his shape. So, you know, now a lot of people just assume it's just some random guy in a hoodie. But, you know, if they're out there and they walk among us, who knows? So 2027, you know, you heard it here first. That's or not second or third or fourth. But, you know, so, so we're ahead of 2027 by warning you. Yeah. To wrap this all up, the ultimate question. Does our government know of the existence of non-human technology on Earth, or are they currently orchestrating one of the greatest disinformation campaigns of all time? Either possibility could have devastating implications for democracy, the role of government, and possibly even our place in the universe. I mean, there's big questions there, and either one of those things, the, the impact... Either, I'm not sure which one would be worse. Yeah, either we're being lied to by our government, which is horrific, and the, the implications of that are terrible, or we're not alone, and we're being visited by non-human intelligences, and you know, depending on what their intentions are, that could be equally horrible, or, or worse even. Well, we hope that you've uh, enjoyed tonight's podcast, and Bill and I share our unique storytelling of UFOs, UAPs, or UAVs. Before we get out of here, I know that a gentleman by the name of Tony, I didn't catch a last name, was, was very concerned about our, our missing weeks there. Uh-oh. And was asking my son when we were coming back, which he assured him that we were we were on track. We're we, alive we and kicking. We have not been alien and, abducted. And I did get to meet Tony briefly while I took my nice. son to, back to school over the weekend. So a little shout out for Tony. Hey, Thanks for Tony. listening. Thanks for At listening. At least we've got one person listening. Thanks for caring. We've actually had a couple people reach out on our <laughs> Facebook account and made similar comments. You know, hey, where are you guys at? Glad to see you back. Yeah. We so. appreciate that. That does mean a lot. It's the little things in life, I guess, that make two old fat guys happy and, <laughs> and delighted to be here and talk to you. Yeah, but it doesn't. It's uh, not. Oh, it's over there. Testing, testing. Man, it's moving like really slow. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was it was slow enough they couldn't tell. Yeah, I couldn't either at a glance. There you go. Testing, testing. Take two. I'm gonna turn that down just a pin. Yeah. The reverb irritates me. Yeah. So. Ooh. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> hey, Alex. Can you do anything about the reverb, bud? Very, very distracting. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. That's better. much better. Much better. Thank you. Okay. I've got like two paragraphs more on David Greer follow-up. Greer or Grush? Greer. The That's doctor Steve. that I talked about. I thought that about. was Steven. That's Dr. I'm just going to say Dr. Greer. I was going to say, yeah, I thought you said Steven. <laughs> I think I did. It was late. Or early when I was doing it. Well, I mean, I'll look it up. And then if you have the name I'll wrong, just, I'll just edit it. <laughs> I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, (laughs) using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing. And thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. And I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. 
we do this as a labor of love, but we're, we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much.